everyone, and welcome to the Horse.com's Ask the Vet Live. I'm your host, Michelle Anderson, Digital Managing Editor of the Horse.com. Tonight's Ask the Vet Live topic is equine osteoarthritis management after diagnosis, and it is brought to you free tonight by Kinetic Technologies. Um, we are joined by our experts, Dr. Rachel Gottlieb of Northwest Equine Performance, which is near Portland, Oregon. And we have Dr. Scott Pierce, who is with Rudin Riddle uh, Equine Hospital in Lexington, Kentucky, and also with Kinetic Technologies. Welcome, doctors. Thank you. Thanks. So, Dr. Gottlieb, you first. Um, you are an associate vet with the eventing team in addition to your uh, role at Northwest Equine Performance. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience working to manage horses with osteoarthritis? Sure. Um, Our clinic specifically looks at horses for lameness and performance horse issues. We're uh, a bit of a referral center for imaging and diagnostics. So um, you can imagine osteoarthritis is a pretty common condition in horses and especially in our performance horses. Um, So it's really something we deal with on a day-to-day basis at all different levels of the sport and in all different disciplines. So um, we see it quite commonly. And uh, Dr. Pierce, can you tell us a little bit about your experience looking at horses and helping them out with osteoarthritis? Well, most of my a lot of my practice is uh, the young, like we were discussing yesterday, was is the young horse, yearling to two year old. But you know, there's telltale signs of arthritis, osteoarthritis at an early age. Many times, uh, as we'll probably discuss later, that is predictable on radiographs of a young horse in a pre-purchase exam, whether it be knees, hocks, stifles whatever, but then um, more so lately, the last few years, I've used, I treat more and more of the uh, ex-race horses that have had their problems and then see a, a fair number of geriatrics too. Okay. And so this event tonight, we're going to be answering questions that have been sent in by our audience. Uh, it's an hour long. We'll do our best to stay within that time frame. Some questions were pre-submitted. We'll also be receiving questions live. If you are listening live and want to send in a question, you can do so in your browser console, which is right in front of you. Our managing editor, Alex Beckstedt, is reading your questions as they come in and forwarding them to me, and we'll do our best to get to as many of those as possible. But this is a huge topic. This is something that I know I deal with on a daily basis with my own um, dressage horse, keeping him going even though he's stiff and... (laughs) and achy. Um, So let's go ahead and get started. I'm looking forward to learning more about how to manage my own horses, and I know everyone out there is ready to learn too. Um, So Dr. Pierce, we're going to start with a question from Sam in Idaho, and Sam wants to know what kind of pain meds can be given to a horse with arthritis, and is it okay to keep riding them? Yeah, good question. I mean, the the pain medications, I assume we're talking about pharmaceuticals. Along with that, there's, you know, your non-steroidals, which are uh, the same as in people, basically, but uh, all the butes not on the market in people, but there's phenylbutazone, um, flunix and megalamine, also, you know, banamine, and um, ketophen. Um, Those are your primary NSAIDs as far as 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 for pain, I'd say phenylbutazone or bute is used primarily for numerous reasons for its pain um, effect. Um, and then not so much for pain, but you know, your supplements that we'll get into later uh, don't have as much direct pain 
uh, effect or an anti-pain effect, but it does do have other effects. But your main pe- your main uh, uh, NSAIDs used for pain are the ones I listed. Okay, and part of Sam's question was also, you know, can we continue riding our horses? Can horses be productive and and continue in their careers? Yeah, after of course. A diagnosis. Um, yeah, of course they can. I mean, uh, d- d- different severities, of course, uh, dictate. Uh, the, the particular use of the horse, but um, and how often you can use the horse, but um, the, you know a lot of horses are given uh, NSAIDs or their medications um, as needed. So even around times of riding, whether uh, uh, during times of riding when a horse is being used, it can be given given some medications and then during non-use backed off and not given as much. So certainly they can be ridden uh, uh, with the medications. Okay. Our next question is for Dr. Gottlieb, and it's from Christina in Orangevale, and it's a question about hawks. And I have to say from my own personal experience, those darn hawks. (laughs) So um, she wants to know which activities can be helpful or harmful to mild arthritis in the hawks. She wants to know, are side passes harmful when the horse is moving laterally? She says that she feels like they would stretch the limbs, so they might be helpful, but maybe they put strain on the hawks. You know, and I have to say, Christina, this... (laughs) These are the same questions I'm asking myself with my dressage horse. Um, going uphill and downhill, is that putting more stress on the hawks? Is a medium trot okay? Is that going to strengthen a ha- the hind end, or are we going to cause more problems? So that's a whole lot of question in one. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think when it comes to mild arthritis in the hawks, that's a very commonly diagnosed condition. Um, and kind of like Dr. Pierce was saying earlier, um, you know, a lot of these horses – Uh, that mild arthritis is not necessarily limiting to their career. And so, you know, my my answer to that as far as what's um, appropriate work for the horse is is really what they're able to tolerate. Um, And, you know, keeping horses moving with arthritis is beneficial as a whole. Um, If they're able to have turnout, that's ideal. Um, So they can walk themselves around. And just keeping that mobility of the joint going um, really is helpful to them in the long run. Um, But also understand that, you know, doing your strengthening and really good conditioning exercises to help strengthen the surrounding soft tissue structures is also important. Um, you know, for horses that um, have hock pain, it, you know, it's easy for them to overload other structures or to have muscle spasms for that to get up into back soreness. Um, you know, we see a lot of that sort of secondary soreness in horses that come up um, when really what they might need is just a little bit of help for the arthritis, to, whether that's in pain medications or joint injections. We'll cover a lot of that tonight. Um, but really, you know, in more severe cases, I think career expectations may have to be limited. But um, in most cases of mild arthritis, um, when they're managed well uh, with the help of your veterinarian, you know, it's not necessarily limiting to what they can do with their career. Mm-hmm. And with my own horse, you know, he's a, a mid-level, upper-level dressage horse, and you know, I've been considering maybe um, leasing him out to someone who would be riding at training or first level. Is that an appropriate change of career for a horse? Yeah, I think that would be a great option. You know, if you're noticing that he's not able to, con- to continue to do the type of work that you would, you know, expect of him, that just dropping them down a level or two, um, you know, really can help continued to allow them to work successfully. Um, We have a question that's come in from our live audience. Tracy is in South Carolina, and she says she has a 15-year-old paint with arthritis. She was told that light riding would be good for her, 
Um, is that good for her? And I'd also like to know, Dr. Gottlieb, what does light riding mean when a vet tells us that? Yeah, so, I mean, I think it can vary quite a bit. You know, light riding um, to me means, you know, kind of basic walk-trot, and if they can tolerate it, uh, maybe a little bit of canter. Um, but, you know, to me, light riding doesn't involve a whole lot of canter. Um, and, you know, beyond that, too, I think a lot of collect- collection in some of these horses can become difficult. Um, but it's really listening to what your horse is telling you and, you know, adapting your exercise program to what your horse can tolerate. Um, and again, too, you know, with the help of NSAIDs, if a, your horse can tolerate some butte, um, you know, that if that allows you to enjoy your horse and for them to enjoy what they're doing, then, um, you know, I think that's all well and good. Dr. Pierce, our next question is for you, and it's from Jamie in New York. And Jamie says that uh, her farrier believes her 8-year-old gelding has arthritis in his right front fetlock. She says she trusts her farrier because he's well-known in the area and is a good farrier. She says her horse does well on half a butte a day, but she had stopped giving it to him because she was afraid of long-term damage to his stomach. Would this be, what would be a good alternative to the Butte? Uh, Dr. Pierce, do you have some comments? Yeah, first of all, I mean, with all due respect to the very, and my, one of my best friends is a farrier, but I, you know, when he gets above the foot, I start to question him a little bit, and he's one of my best buddies. But anyway, um, I would question, I, first would be, yeah, has a proper workup been done of the of the lameness or the arthritis, and, you know, if radiographs been taken as a veterinarian examined the horse, because there could be other areas or soft tissue components involved here. So that would be one question and one recommendation if, if um, a, a proper workup has not been performed. But, I mean, a half a gram of butte, really that's nothing. I mean, there, people take, you know, aspirin for years and years and years and take the low-dose aspirin or some people take the high-dose aspirin for its uh, cardiovascular effects in people. But... Um, so a half a gram of butte really doesn't bother me that much as far as its effect on the stomach. I think if you have a young, health, not necessarily young, you know, you've got an eight-year-old here, a horse that, that has normal kidney function, healthy, eating good, um, a half a gram of butte doesn't bother me whatsoever. As far as alternatives, if you're looking, if you're looking for NSAIDs, there's really no good, there's no good alternative. They say and I haven't used the Equiox that much, but they say that it doesn't have its GI effect. I probably would beg to differ there a little bit, but um, uh, I think that at a low dose, you're, you're safe here. And I don't think that uh, there's probably good alternatives unless you can go to some of the supplements that might have uh, uh, a beneficial effect here, uh, which those are fairly safe. The efficacy sometimes is questionable, but questionable. But um, they would be safe for the horse on the long term. And Dr. Gottlieb, for those who may be showing their horses, are there any concerns about using vet or using butte on their horses and then going to horse shows um, and accident? Well, unknowingly um, breaking some drug rules, having having issues with that. Do you have any any suggestions? Yeah, and, and mainly just to check with whatever, um, you know, regulatory body you're riding with. Um, I know specifically for the USCF, um, you know, there's a, a one NSAID rule. So you can use Butte or Banamine or um, Ketofen, but you can't use both. 
um, at the same time, and which isn't necessarily ideal anyway. Um, but at the FBI level, they're much stricter about those drugs, and so it would not be allowed during competition if at the FBI level. Um, Dr. Gottlieb, we have a question from Gerard in Langley, B.C., and Gerard wants to know what role does the farrier have in managing these types of cases, and what shoeing prescriptions can a vet give that can be helpful in helping horses with arthritis? Yeah, so, you know, I think just in general, having a really good, well-balanced foot, um, you know, avoiding having too long of a toe and So if that means, you know, bumping your shoeing cycle up a little bit, depending on the time of year, um, I think that really helps our horses out both on the front feet and the hind feet. Um, You know, rounding the toes in the hind end too can be really helpful. Um, There are some horses specifically with stifle issues that seem to benefit from a little bit of lateral support, whether that's in the form of a lateral trailer or, um, you know, I think farriers have a lot of different tricks that they can use, but those are probably the, the, you know, broadest recommendations I would make. just, you know, keeping the toes nice and rounded and short, making sure that it's well-balanced medial to lateral and, um, you know, maybe some lateral support for those stifle horses. Okay. Our next question is for Dr. Pearson. It's from Edith in Michigan. And Edith, Edith wants to know, with so many joint supplements on the market, how can an owner know which one is going to be best for their horse and how do they go about selecting from the different brands? Are some possibly better than others? Well, yeah, I think so. I mean, basically, there's uh, there's different categories of supplements. There's glucosamine. There's just basically there's straight glucosamine chondroitins. There's the combos with uh, the addition of oral hyaluronic acid glucosamine chondroitin. There's these, you know, this avocado soybean ASU. There's MSM. There's this green uh, green lipid muscle. Uh, that is used, uh, launched out of New Zealand primarily. And then there's this, I think there's omega-3 fatty acids and fish oil, which the the omega-3s kind of go into the green green lipid muscles too, obviously. But, I mean, you look at every company differently in every product, and, you know, if you you see broad, broad, uh, almost hard-to-believe claims, then you, you probably should shy away. You look at you look on their uh, their websites and you go into the research category and see if the the companies have had any um, any work that has been published in a, in peer-reviewed magazines or if their ingredients have been and I say peer-reviewed magazines so that's important that's where editors veterinary editors actually look at the data and and they're not approved unless they're not approved for publication unless they meet certain criteria of, of, uh, of research because um, there's so much research that, are done, that is done by companies promoting their products that are done in-house and know then their results are many times questioned. Um, so how do you go by selecting one? And that's a hard, that's a, that, that's a, we could talk a long time on that one subject, but you have to use, I think you probably go through a cycle of trying different ones, unfortunately. Um, and see which one works for your horse. Um, and we'll talk about a little bit later, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the research. I think some of them are backed more with research than others. Um, and sometimes they're good in combination with some injectables, which I think we will discuss later too. But I think that you just basically try um, 
try each one of these categories or start with a category and then from a reputable company with research try that product see if it benefits your horse and yeah, horses are easy I mean they're either especially in a chronic lameness either they get better or they don't either you see the improvement or you don't um, and and then go from there our next question is for Dr. Gottlieb, and it came in from our live audience. Jennifer in California wants to know if Prevacox is good for arthritis. Um, now, Dr. Pierce has already mentioned uh, Equiox, which is uh, Firococcib. Um, Dr. Gottlieb, can you tell us a little bit about that for horses? Sure. Um, so just to clarify that um, Equiox and Prevacox have the same active ingredient, which is Firococcib. Um, the Equiox is labeled specifically for horses, and Prevacox is the drug that's um, labeled and approved for use in dogs. So it's not actually approved for use in horses, um, though we certainly use it but because more of its um, finances for the clients. It's much more affordable. Um, it ends up being, I think, about uh, a tenth of the cost or a fifth of the cost of using Equiox um, in horses. So certainly, um, you know, I, I don't know that it's been studied to show that it's as effective, but in our clinical experience, our clients have had, um, you know, pretty good response using it in their horses. Uh, but that said, you know, again, getting back to some of the competition horses, um, you know, I would not recommend it in horses where you're going to a competition where you could be drug tested um, just because it's not the approved product in horses and we, we don't know how it will test necessarily. So um, so I would caution the people out there using it in their show horses. Um, but overall, you know, I think in our clinical experience, it, it can be um, an effective product in horses. Our next question is for Dr. Pearson. It's from Mary Ellen in New York. And she wants to know, or she says that she's been reading that MSM is more effective than glucosamine and chondroitin in people. And she's wondering if the same is true for horses. Is MSM effective in managing arthritis pain and preventing further joint deterioration? Dr. Pierce? Well, as we discussed in the last, uh, my last question uh, was backed by research. MSM has had a great deal of research if you look through the history of, uh, of MSM, but very little of it is peer-reviewed. Um, most of it is done by manufacturers and manufacturers and, and uh, supplement companies, et cetera. Um, so the, I think the MSM, the, the research there is lacking a bit from, from a, a scientific uh, angle. Um, do I think it's more effective than glucosamine chondroitin? No. I don't um, in people, uh, and I don't really think it is in people too. Although there was a huge study years ago um, in people that questioned the usefulness of glucosamine chondroitin. I think in severe cases, cases of arthritis, it worked. In moderate cases, it didn't. wasn't shown to be as effective. But um, is MSM effective in managing arthritis pain? Uh, I don't think, I mean, we use it as a mild anti-inflammatory, particularly um, in young horses for epiphysitis, physitis, um, and any inflammatory lesion. I mean, that's the primary use for it is, a, is kind of a natural anti-inflammatory that, that uh, you don't have the issues of the GI upset or GI ulcerations with, with NSAIDs, and that's what it's used for mainly around here. Um, I don't really think it's that effective in horses for managing arthritis or for preventing joint 
um, deterioration either. Okay. Our next question is for Dr. Gottlieb, and it's uh, from Erica, who is our news editor with The Horse. And if if anyone has a chance to read Erica's older horse blog, um, it's great. And she talks a lot about her horse that she manages, Dorado. And she wants to know, what are the best ways to prolong the athletic career of an older horse that's still happy, sound, energetic, and performing beautifully um, with wear and tear in his joints, including arthritis in several joints and an old healed fracture that's near a joint? Yeah, so, I mean, the the biggest thing to me, if you've got a happy, sound, older horse, keep them working. Um, you know, just keeping them happy and in activity seems to really prolong their, um, you know, their career and um, their health and I, I think, too, just their, you know, their mental health. Um, I, I think we see, you know, it, for older horses that come in here with injuries, the hardest thing for us is to lock them up in a stall and put them on stall rest because we know that, um, you know, our concern is that um, once we immobilize them, that they, they seem to get older a lot more quickly. So keeping them moving and keeping them in work um, is really great for them. And, you know, besides that, um, adding some sort of an oral supplement or an injectable um, is, you know, a great idea. If there's any specific joint concerns, you know, that treating older horses cautiously with joint injections as long as they're systemically healthy and maybe with a little bit of a lower dose of steroid, um, you know, is also something that we can do. Okay. And we're going to move from Erica's 17-year-old energetic horse to our next question that's about a 32-year-old horse, Dr. Pierce. And it came in from Van in Missouri. And Van says that this 32-year-old gelding seems to have pain in his knees all the time. He says, I'm not interested in working him. I just want him to feel better. Is there any cost-effective way to help him out? Yeah, I mean, 32 years old, you have to be a little concerned about, you know, any heavy uh, NSAID usage. But, you know, you could use that occasionally or sporadically uh, at a low dose. Um, but you'd have to worry a little bit about kidney function here in a 32-year-old horse. You know, and I go back to management, too, you know, for knees or any lameness or any problems in, a, in an older horse, make sure that the... the uh, feet, the hooves are uh, uh, trimmed or shod properly, um, the turnout, you know, is, he, is the horse out with younger horses and, uh, you know, in, in more of a competitive environment in a turnout, does it, does it get to come up and relax a little bit in the stall, et cetera. So you kind of work them in their uh, own individual little world there, um, so to speak, but, you know, has pain in his knees all the time. So you can't really use, you're not going to inject I guess you could, and occasionally, you know, occasionally you could inject knees on an older horse, but you'd like not to because you're you're looking for a cost-effective way to help him. Um, the 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 cheapest thing, obviously, is is phenobutazone on an occasional, very limited basis. Uh, but don't forget your good, um, you know, management things like ice and hydrotherapy too, and just basic stuff like that is can be very beneficial in in hot joints or hot legs, and so. Um, and then I would find, I mean, on a long-term basis, you probably, I've had luck with the um, with the HA glucosamine chondroitin uh, uh, combination, and even to the point where you you keep them on their maintenance dose longer. I've had luck with with um, in older horses with that combination and in in, uh, in, in in pain relief or soundness. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Pierce. Our next question is from Heidi in New Hampshire, and she's in our live audience right now. And she 
it says that she has a horse that was diagnosed with osteoarthritis in his neck, his SI joint, both hocks, and with kissing spine. She said that she's had all of those problem areas injected. Is he ever going to be rideable? Uh, Dr. Gottlieb, do you want to take that one? Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you gave that to Dr. Gottlieb. Thank <laughs> <you>. <laughs> yeah, so these are really tough situations that we run into. Um, and, you know, kissing spines in particular and sort of more axial skeleton, neck spine and pelvic type arthritis or pain um, can really be tough um, ones to manage. And every horse is a little bit individual that way. Um, I can't promise, honestly, that, you know, he'll be able to successfully go back to work sort of with that abundance of issues. Um, but, you know, I would say that trying to use something systemically um, might help. But if he's not responded to a product like Ataclin or Legend or Penasan, there's plenty of them out there. Um into the oral supplements that, you know, um, doing that more targeted therapy of the injections. Um, sometimes you can get away with doing one or two at a time. Sometimes you kind of have to throw the kitchen sink at it and do everything at once to break that pain cycle. Um, and that's really what we find sometimes we need to do in these horses is to truly break the pain cycle um, and then use a lot of, you know, good management and conditioning to bring them back. So not throwing the saddle on and asking them to go hack around, um, you know, a few days after the injections. But, you know, taking a couple weeks of um, doing some carrot stretches, doing some core exercises, um, you know, putting them on a lunge line with sort of a Pessoa-type rig to try to encourage them to use their body uh, correctly, to try to rebuild the musculature and rebuild all of that support um, that, you know, they, they need to move forward. Um, and really from there, um, you know, turnout is essential, I think, in these horses, um, keeping them, if they tolerate it on some sort of a low level of anti-inflammatory can be really helpful. Um, but, you know, it, it's definitely a tough situation. I, I don't envy her situation. Um, our next question is for Dr. Pierce, and it's from Elaine in Virginia. And Elaine has a 20-year-old appendix with ring bone. The horse is being shod with bar shoes along with Equipac. Uh, he's not severely lame when he is off. Uh, he's on joint supplements as well as naproxen. She wants to know what else she can do for him. Also, when he is sound, you know, can she get on him and take him for a, a little walk under saddle? And Dr. Pierce, can you start by explaining a little bit about what ring bone is and then and then answer Elaine's questions? Well, ring, <clears throat> excuse me, ring bone is a uh, lay term for uh, arthritis in the pastern joint. Um, there's no, uh, unfortunately, and that's where you see a, a pastern that looks, if you, soft tissue-wise, it looks enlarged, and, and you'll see uh, just below the fetlock, about halfway down to the foot, you'll see a enlargement immediately or lateral, inside or outside, that's usually a firm, hard swelling. But if you radiograph that, you'll see bony change within, typically within the joint, um, and it's, so it's an arthritic condition that there's really no cure for. There's no surgical remedy for it either. So basically that's a um, ring bone. It can be very painful um, later. That I'm glad the shoes are being, uh, it sounds like we're all over the shoeing here, but it's, that's where it's so important to keep the, uh, as Dr. Gottlieb said before, to, 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 to uh, keep the shoes, the, the toe back, keep the toe, um, you know, kind of a rocker toe, make the break over easy. Don't let the heels get down too far, too low. Um, so it sounds like they're on the shoeing here. I don't know what joint supplements it's on, but naproxen, I'd wonder. 
you could probably do, in my opinion, a little bit better than naproxen. It's off the market now, so I assume it's compounded. That that's a whole other topic that makes sure your compounding lab is a reputable one, and you're buying, you know, that you're actually buying what you think you're getting from your veterinarian, and that uh, you know it's being compounded properly. So that's so important. I would think that as far as pain relief goes and anti-inflammatory reaction, I used to use the Proxen more for soft tissue injuries when it was on the on the market, more for tying up and myositis and uh, uh, different uh, soft tissue components. Uh, I think that your uh, phenobutazone is a much more effective uh, analgesic and been pain reliever and probably anti-inflammatory than the Proxen is in the horse anyway. Um, so I would probably consider switching there. Uh, it sounds like you've got the lameness under control on his off days. I think you said on his off days he was pretty good. Um, it sounds like you maybe think about changing from the proxen and possibly your joint supplements if you're not happy and if he's uh, if, if, he, if he's not sound uh, on the joint supplements joint supplement you're on, I would maybe talk to your veterinarian and try a, a, another one. But they do get the point that if, if, if ring bone is, gets severe, uh, it's, it's quite likely that uh, uh, sometimes you can't make them completely sound. Okay. Thanks, Dr. Pierce. We have a question that's come in from Sarah in California. She's listening live. And Dr. Gottlieb, she wants to know if it's okay to use firococcib as needed for individual rides or is it given in a course? Um, and if you can give it just individually for, for certain times that you're riding your horse, how soon before you ride would you need to give it? Yeah, that's a really good question. So if you're a coxib, it does take a few days to get up to therapeutic levels. So if you're going to use that as your treatment of choice, I would recommend starting at about three days before you wanted to actually ride um, for it to really take effect the way you would want it to. Okay. Thank you. Our next question, Dr. Gottlieb, is from Mary in Colorado, and she wants to know, how many times can you get a horse's hocks injected? She said she's had her mare injected three times now. She's 12 years old, and the vet has recommended doing injections every six months. Can these injections be performed safely and effectively for the rest of the mare's life? Yeah, so that's a, a great question. Um, you know, joint injections, I think um, they're extremely helpful, and I think they can really increase the longevity of a horse's career when used correctly. And certainly as veterinarians, um, you know, we don't like to inject horses more often than every six months um, just because of the, the, you know, bad effects that it can have on the cartilage and in the joint. Um, every six months would be a, a reasonable time period, but I guess I would want to know to, you know, I, I certainly would want to do it with um, an exam at each one of those intervals. So, um, you know, is there a performance change um, or is it just hitting that six-month mark? You know, if your horse is going great and going really sound and you're happy with its performance, then, um, you know, it may not quite be time to do that joint injection. And so for me, I really, um, you know, wait till a time period where the horse is obviously telling me that, you know, there's a soreness there and that it's um, time to treat that joint. And so, you know, working with your veterinarian as far as doing a good lameness exam with flexions, um, that'll be a great, you know, indicator as to when your horse might need a little help. Um, and, you know, just also keep track of do the injections actually help. So, you know, rather than injecting every six months just because it's been six months, 
um, you know, really monitor your own horse of once you did those injections, did it help your horse? Um, and then how long did that effect seem to last for? And giving your veterinarian that kind of information can be really helpful for future management. Okay. And Dr. Pierce, do you have anything to add to that? No, I think um, I think that's right on. I mean, I don't think there's any cookbook remedy. It's as necessary. And, uh, and I think that some could be three months, some six months. So it's, it's, it changes on, and, and, and with every case, I think. Our next question is for Dr. Gottlieb, and it's from Wilma in Canada. And Wilma wants to know what management methods and treatments would be most effective in addressing arthritis in a horse's back. She said that she's undertaken some chiropractic for her horse, massage therapy, I am Adequan, prolotherapy, and she's used both black on, back, on pra, back on track blankets and saddle pla- pads as well as other therapeutic blankets and pads for her horse. She said some of the methods seem helpful, but others just might be costing her money. Do you have any advice? Sure. Um, And this, again, you know, kind of similar to the supplements, um, you know, you want to see an effect. That's really in spending your money, and it certainly can get very costly. Um, You know, do the things that really seem to make your horse better. And if it doesn't seem to make your horse better or it doesn't last, um, then that might not be the, the best choice for your horse. Um, and, you know, as far as options go for addressing back arthritis, um, you know, first off, it's it, back arthritis to me means more of arthritis of the actual facet joints, which are the joints between the vertebrae, um, which is a little bit of a different topic um, than kissing spines, uh, which is also, you know, a significant back issue. But, you know, in either of those cases, you can do pretty focused injections using steroid, just like we do in the joint, to decrease inflammation around that area. Um, For facet joints, it's usually an ultrasound-guided procedure. I would recommend it to be an ultrasound-guided procedure. Um, It's deep under a lot of musculature. Um, But, you know, other therapies that are out there that are um, effective for a lot of horses are things like shockwave therapy, um, P3 machine, which is a pulsed electromagnetic field, um, is really found to be pretty fantastic for some horses with back soreness. Um, And just doing regional injections of some of the acupuncture points in the back. Um, Again, it's about breaking that pain cycle and whatever we can do, um, you know, using a anti-inflammatory or a muscle relaxant like Rebaxin, um, whatever works for your horse is really what it's about. But, you know, moving forward from there, um, I touched on it a little bit before, but management is really daily management, good quality daily management in these horses becomes really important, um, you know, to keep the muscles along the spine in shape um, so that they don't atrophy um, or so that you can redevelop them if they've already atrophied is super important. And so there are things like core exercises or those carrot stretches that become really important. Um, not And they're kind of fun for you to do with your horse anyway, um, but they serve a purpose, too, in really strengthening those muscles. I have started incorporating the carrot stretches for my own horse, and he thinks that's the best part of anything I've ever done with him. <laughs> They seem to enjoy it. He thinks it makes him feel a lot better. Um, Our next question, Dr. Gottlieb, is from Jennifer in Pennsylvania. And Jennifer has an eight-year-old quarter horse mare that was diagnosed with osteoarthritis in 
her hawk when she was five. She said she rides the mare on hills and in very terrain. And per her vet, when the mare is sore, she gives a five-day course of butte, and within a day or two, the horse seems more comfortable. Um, will this sequence of riding, butting, riding cause the joint to fuse more quickly? Is it accurate to assume that once the joint is fused, the joint will be pain-free? Can you explain to us a little bit about joint fusion and whether or not that horse will be more comfortable? Yeah, so, you know, in hawk arthritis, um, it's a low-motion joint, and, you know, really with fusion, if the joint truly fuses and there's no longer an active um, bone remodeling going on, um, they, it's, no, it's no longer painful. Um, I would say in our experience that even if it gets diagnosed at a young age, um, you know, it can either take years for that fusion to happen um, or, you know, it may never happen. And so managing those horses um, can become a challenge because essentially the, the joint space, you know, to some degree no longer exists. So treating it with your typical joint injection where you have to get a needle into a small space, um, the space is no longer present. So so doing some of our typical therapies really becomes a challenge. Um so will buting and riding and buting um, cause the joint to fuse more quickly? Um, I, I wouldn't think so. Um, probably not. So, you know, bute acts as an anti-inflammatory, but it doesn't have an effect on the bone itself or on the uh, bone activity that's happening as far as the, the remodeling that's going on during that whole fusion process. Um, so, you know, your, your horse may need more help along the way um, and, you know, certainly um, don't get discouraged. There are things that we can do for them. Um, but, you know, just to keep in mind that more management might be necessary. But butte to ride, you know, as long as you're doing trails and that kind of a thing, um, is certainly uh, something you can do to keep the horse comfortable while you're riding. Okay. And I want to step back to those carrot stretches and just let everyone who's listening know that if you go to thehorse.com, you can look up our special report that will take you step by step through stretching your horse. We also have a video on there, and that's how I learned to do it with my horse. So go to thehorse.com, do a search, and find those um, and help your horse out a bit. Um, we have a question for Dr. Pierce from Roxanne in Virginia. And Roxanne would like you to address pain management appropriate for an arthritic brood mare. Which products or amounts are effective and still safe for a developing fetus? Well, I think most of your, if you talk about most of your um, supplements, they're fairly safe for fetuses. If you're talking about, you know, like an avocado soybean mixture, I mean, I, very few of these have been tested in fetuses, so probably um, in pregnant in pregnant animals, so you don't really know, but if you think about what's in them, they have to be, you know, pretty considered fairly safe. If you're talking about MSM, that's a sulfur derivative. If you're talking about this ASU, that's, you know, avocado soy complex, you know, the green-lipped mussels, um, glucosamine chondroitin, HA, um, all of those, and even your omega-3 fish oils, all of those would be considered to be, um, in my opinion, anyway, safe for use in a, brood, a pregnant broodmare. I mean, <clears throat> there again, in a pregnant, in a, in a, in a broodmare, um, deal with these uh, a lot, and some of them, uh, you know, it, you have to, you, you obviously uh, alter the herd basis, the field size, paddock size, uh, even some to the point where, uh, if it's a, a severe lameness, they have to come up in a and in, in rest for a while in a stall. Um, as far as medications go. Uh, they 
usually very very responsive to butte, but I don't like to give that for long term, especially in a pregnant pregnant broodmare, and, and particularly when they get closer to falling. Um, they, I think you need to consult your veterinarian on the actual joint that's involved because there are possibly some surgical procedures that could be done to to um, uh, ankylose or, or surgically fix a knee or a fetlock in, in the hands of a good surgeon. Uh, so, you, you know, you talk to your veterinarian if, it's, if, it's, uh, if, if that seems to be an option. Um, so I think that uh, the, I think most of the, the supplements are okay, uh, and then your your drugs, uh, your anti-inflammatories of occasional use, but not uh, not to overdo it. Okay, um, Dr. Gottlieb, our next question is for you, and it's from Jill in Florida. And Jill wants to know if eating if feeding an arthritic horse oils that are high in omega sixes and omega nines, like corn oil or canola oil coconut oil, soybean oil, if those can increase joint inflammation. She said that she has an old mare who who seemed to act stiffer when she was on them. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, it's a, a really great observation that, um, you know, if, you're, if your horse specifically responded poorly to something, then I certainly would not recommend continuing to use it. Um, as far as, you know, omega-6 and 9 and uh, omega-3s go, um, you know, those are the essential fatty acids, and there's been uh, a lot of, you know, hype out there in the human literature or human field too for omega 3s anti-inflammatory properties, um, and certainly omega 6 and omega 9, and they're, um, you know, more uh, pro-inflammatory uh, agents in the body. So um, I think that there are some oils that probably have a better ratio of omega-6 to omega-3s that, you know, you could try. And people, obviously, we talk a lot about fish oil. Um, but, you know, even just the grass that horses eat has a better omega-3 um, product than omega-6s. Um, and things like canola oil um, will have a better ratio than things like corn oil. So, um, you know, certainly if it doesn't work for your horse, that, then, you know, I wouldn't recommend that you have to, to do it. Um, but, you know, I don't think there's a whole lot out there in the lit- literature um, supporting, you know, one oil versus another or a certain concentration of um, omega-6 and omega-3 in the diet. Um, but, you know, just it, keeping in mind that, that it can be beneficial to some horses potentially. Okay. Our next question is for Dr. Pearson. It's come in from Christine in California who's listening live. And she wants to know, how do you straddle the fine line between training to help an arthritic condition and training that puts more wear and tear on the joints? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Fine line between training. I, I, I would probably throw that over to Dr. Gottlieb as she you know, deals with more of that type of horse than tra- horses in training. Okay. Yeah, and do you mind just repeating the question one more time? Okay. Um, so Christine wants to know, how do you straddle the fine line between training to help the unarthritic condition and training that puts more wear and tear on the joints? Yeah, so it, it is a good question. Um, again, I think you have to listen to your horse a little bit on that one. Um, but certainly, you know, doing things like um, general joint health, so whether that's a supplement that helps your horse or um, a systemic injection like Adequin that might help your horse, um, or just addressing the joint that's sore, um, you know, really when used appropriately, joint injections can um, truly, you know, lengthen the, the, it can truly benefit the joint environment. You know, a joint that's inflamed 
is also not a healthy and joint environment. So, um, you know, I refer to it a little bit like an oil change that, you know, supplying the horse with some fresh HA and an anti-inflammatory can really go a long way. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't be afraid of doing that necessarily and, and certainly working with your veterinarian to, to figure out the best plan. Um, but also listening to your horse. And if your horse is telling you that there's a certain movement, um, you know, or an extended trot or a certain point in collection that they just can't tolerate, um, you know, that maybe we don't drill those exercises as much. Dr. Gottlieb, our next question is from Beth in Ohio. And Beth says there are so many advancements in human medicine for arthritis, but in the equine world, we seem to be lacking, especially when it comes to funding for research. What can we do as a community to help the funding process to make IRAP therapy and stem cell therapy an affordable option for our clientele? I I really think this is a great question, and I completely appreciate the support. Um, You know, unfortunately, I think research funding has been cut for everybody across the board in the health field. Um, And, you know, I think that calling your universities where they're doing the research and figuring out where where they need the funds or if there is someone that they're talking to as far as, you know, uh, government goes um, or talking to the the broader AVMA, um, the American Veterinary Medical Association, I think they could give you a lot of ideas of of how to, you know, make your voice heard within the community and best support their research. Okay. And Dr. Gottlieb, we have another question for you from Marsha in Pennsylvania. And Marsha has a 12-year-old trochanter thoroughbred cross that was recently diagnosed with possible arthritis in his neck and spinal column, but the spinal column is normal. What are the best practices for managing this? She says she's reluctant to jump to injections and wonders if acupuncture is better than chiropractic therapy for this. So um, this question, I'm assuming by uh, Marcia saying that the spinal column is normal, that the that essentially they've ruled out that the horse is a wobbler, has some sort of a, a stenosis that would cause some sort of neurologic problems. Um, so just speaking about arthritis in the neck um, or just abnormalities in the neck, I, I really think this is an area that um, we'll continue to um, find out more and more about as veterinarians. I think it's an area that continues to be a challenge. Um, and, you know, there's arthritis that's limited to the facet joints or remodeling. Um, but, you know, we we do several um, bone scans or nuclear scintigraphy at our clinic, and we find different uptake patterns in the neck and specifically in the low neck um, where, you know, and the, the metabolically active, the physiologically active areas of inflammation can be in the facet joints. They can be found in the vertebral bodies. Um, and, you know, beyond that, sometimes in places where we don't quite understand, which we might assume to either be the intervertebral disc space or the transverse process, which has a lot of different muscle attachments. Um, and, of course, there's, you know, nerve roots in that area as well. So so basically what I'm saying is there's a whole lot of things that can be going on in the neck. And so treating them um, can be a bit of a challenge in trying to figure out which one. Um, you know, mesotherapy, which... Um, it's kind of a, a funky therapy. It doesn't work for every horse, but it's a really non-invasive, um, kind of more homeopathic in nature. And that, again, is sort of aimed to break the pain cycle. Um, shockwave therapy in horses that seem to have that vertebral body um, inflammation specifically, um, that seems to be of some benefit in some horses. Um, but the injections can be extremely beneficial. And again, you know, arthritis um it's still something that can be treated with your, um, you know, phenylbutazone, your NSAIDs, and as well as your other joint supplements. So, um, so all of those are an option as far as uh, neck arthritis is involved. 
Um, as far as addressing whether acupuncture or chiropractic, I, I don't know that one is necessarily better, but I, I think there are horses that certainly prefer one to the other or might prefer both or neither. So, you know, I think horses have a pretty profound reaction to either one and just figuring out um, what helps your horse and what they tolerate um, and what seems to help them longer term than just, you know, the day or two after it's been performed is really, um, you know, just valuable information to you moving forward. Okay. Our next question is for Dr. Pierce, and it's from Teresa in California. And Teresa says that she has a 10-year-old Morgan gelding that has bone spavins. Uh, his hawks were injected two weeks ago, and and he's been on firococcib with only slight improvement. She wants to know, will it improve with time going forward, or is there another course of treatment that's going to be needed or is his performance career possibly over? And can you start out by explaining to us what a, bo- a bone spavin is? Bone spavin is is basically arthritis in the hocks, in the, the, the low motion joint, the little tarsal bones. Um, and Dr. Gottlieb mentioned this before, that it's when we talked about uh, hopefully the less motion, the less inflammation, but... Yeah, that meaning, you know, the the the, the hock bones trying to fuse, but essentially uh, causing less inflammation. But two weeks, um, I would think that I don't know what the hocks were injected with. That would be my first question. I mean, no question to a question is is did they use uh, corticosteroids, which I would prefer, or did is it is uh, did they use um, uh, hyaluronic acid or a combination of of that? Um, I would think that in my experience, usually, I, and also another thing would be, I would wonder if, if it's not effective talking to your veterinarian and getting maybe a new uh, set of, of hawk radiographs might be in order to make sure that nothing's changed there radiographically. Um, I pretty, you know, uh, rule out some sort of a slab fracture or something like that would be obviously a reason that an injection wouldn't work. Um, the what was the last part of the question? That's uh, if um, if his performance career could be over. Well, I would I would before I could go there, I'd have to put your head together with with your veterinarian. A recent set of radiographs. Uh, there could be other issues involved here, too, as far as the lameness goes. It could be a high suspensory behind other other issues. Uh, also, as a as, uh, I would think that you would probably need to make sure that if the hock injections aren't working that you do a thorough lameness exam to to rule out uh rule out other issues that could be present whether it be high suspensory stifle etc okay um our next question is for dr gottlieb and allison in south carolina wants to know what conditioning and fitness suggestions do you have for a 14 year old upper level eventer who has osteoarthritis Yeah. So, um, you know, keeping them comfortable, I think at that level, um, you know, whatever that means to your horse, uh, you know, I think that that once they start to age and they're still um, facing pretty big uh, obstacles at at the upper levels, that, um, you know, keeping them comfortable, whether it's through joint injections or whatever works for him, um, you know, is really uh, important and, and also good conditioning again. So, so don't skip, you know, just because he's a little bit older and he's got some arthritis, um, doesn't mean that I would skip, you know, doing those long trot sets and those good gallops to make sure that, um, his cardiovascular health is good and that he's not going to get tired out on course. Cause I think 
hired horses tend to not be able to protect themselves as well and, um, you know, it can make them more prone to getting hurt. Um, and certainly, you know, again, on the line of keeping them comfortable, uh, I think horses that are uncomfortable, um, especially at that level with such a, a big demand in front of them, um, you know, they, they have the potential with arthritis to sort of load the leg differently to try to be as comfortable as possible, and that can certainly lead to other injuries. And so, you know, causing stress on other structures is certainly not ideal. Um, and specifically on this, you know, just as an interesting point, um, just as a part of the eventing team now, we're, we're trying to take a look statistically at, at really what does it take to peak our event horses and are we overcompeting them? Are we pushing them too hard too early? Um, what are really the components that, that create, you know, the, the best event horses and peak them at the right times to be ready for competition? So, so that'll hopefully be coming down the pipeline here eventually, but but that is something that we're interested in and interested in looking at, um, and certainly in our, our aging upper-level eventers, there, there's lots of them out there. Yeah. And it seems like these horses um, really get their job down and then they get old. Right, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not uncommon, and, you know, the same goes for some of our, our upper-level uh, show jumpers, you know, I think flexible in this last Olympics is 17 this year. So, you know, they, there's certainly something to be said for those older horses that are continuing to compete successfully. Dr. Pierce, our next question is for you, and it's about hyaluronic acid. Um, Dion in California has her seven-year-old gelding on legend IV injections. Um, and she wants to add an oral joint supplement with HA in it. The horse is getting a five milliliter shot that is according to the legend spec. Um, and she wants to know what would be a recommended oral dosage for her horse as well. Okay. First, um, the intravenous injections, I mean, that's, uh, I assume that we're treating some sort of synovial swelling or effusion or joint swelling. That's what IVH, you know, I legend IVHA is for. Once a month would be, you know, I mean, basically, uh, in my opinion, that the injection itself probably lasts only a couple days, maybe three or four days. So I would question the efficacy of, of it lasting, being a month-long injection. Um, but I do know it's fairly expensive, and 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 I can obviously see the reason why one wouldn't want to give them that often. But I would want, you know, like I said, I think the clinical efficacy probably is within a week, so that the, it wouldn't be a long-term injection by any stretch. Now I've done a lot of, of research early on and with oral HA, and and actually did find that it was as effective um, as the intravenous HA in treating synovial effusion, wind puffs, you know, the swollen joints, et cetera. And usually a, a 200 milligram, 100 to 200 milligram dose is more than enough. They don't need uh, that much. Probably 50 milligrams is enough. So the dose, the dosage isn't, isn't really that high in a horse. Um, it's, uh, you know, 100 to 200 milligrams is, is definitely enough a good dose for that and you, you know they you you probably are going to notice that the as you go that you'll probably give fewer injections dr pierce our next question is for you it's from sandra sandra in michigan and sandra wants to know what the most effective is least expensive treatment for horse owners that are struggling to keep their horses work 
comfort is a luxury beyond basic horse care? Well, I, you know, I can, you know, be a broken record here, but the least expensive, most effective is what's been around forever and still around and probably the most, most uh, popular and that's phenobutazone. Um, it's as far as the comfort level in a horse and, and it's, uh, uh, it's very effective in, 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 uh, treating lamenesses. Um, from there you go, and it's and it's inexpensive too. Um, and I think it's probably uh, there's no reason to treat with use. In my opinion, we use other NSAIDs, but I don't know if there's really that much of a justification for a lame horse to use anything but phenobutazone. Um, as far as especially from an oral standpoint, um, as far as the the supplements go, we we'll get back to looking at the research again, looking at the price structure, you know, you like to stay, you know, I would think around $2 a day for a, some sort of a supplement. And you can find those, you can find those with, with reputable companies with, with, and get good results. But still the, the, the number one and the cheapest, most effective would still be phenobutazone. Um, Dr. Gottlieb, we have a question from our live audience. Uh, Nina in Illinois wants to know what kind of exercise is appropriate for a retired horse that has joint disease. Uh, you know, in the retired horses, it, if it's the, the type of retirement where there's really no demand anymore for um, ridden work, um, I, I just let them do their own thing. You know, at that point, I think that the exercise that they give themselves, as long as they've got adequate turnout, um, is, and that, that really is the, the, would be the preferable thing is having them out on turnout or on pasture where they can move around freely and sort of of their own accord. Um, and certainly, you know, if they go through stages where they flare up and become extremely painful, um, they might need a little bit of time and a stall just to rest. Um, but, you know, in, in a retired horse that just is able to do what he wants to do, I, I think that they're pretty good at regulating um, themselves. And Dr. Gottlieb, if you are using lunging to exercise your arthritic horse, you know, you're basically moving your horse on a 20-meter circle. Can that be harmful to joint disease? Yeah, I, I do think that that can be harmful. I, I think that we have the best intentions as horse owners that, you know, to try to give them some exercise. Um, but, you know, doing that on a, on a limited circle can, can certainly um, you know, cause more stress, which we don't want to do. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, especially in these young horses on these, uh, forced walkers going in tight circles, you know, every day, I think it can have a bad effect on those two. Okay. So what are our other options? Um, as far as, you know, exercise, mm -hmm. if you, if you want to be part of it, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, um, gosh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I think some of these horses, if you're able just to even take them at the end of a lead rope and walk them around on trails, uh, certainly if they'll tolerate being ridden under saddle, you know, just did a walk on a sort of relaxing trail ride. Um, I certainly don't mean the trails that are on rocky terrain and super steep hills, um, but just, you know, a nice, well-groomed, um, fairly flat surface uh, with some decent footing that, that that can be really enjoyable to them and sort of get them out and get them seeing other things than maybe just their, their stall and their run. Okay. And Dr. Gottlieb, we have a question from Lisa in California, and she would like to know what your experience is using Tildrens to treat arthritis in horses. 
Yeah, so great question. Um, Tildren is certainly a little bit of a controversial uh, medication. And so Tildren, for, for those of you out there that may not have heard of it or don't know exactly what it is, um, it, it's a bisphosphonate drug, which is the same family of drugs that are used to treat women with osteoporosis. And that, that was essentially its original use way back when. Um, so, you know, they're uh, in bone remodeling, you have cells that are responsible for bone production called osteoblasts, and then cells that are responsible for bone breakdown, and those are called osteoclasts. And um, the bone breakdown process is really the more painful part of that bone remodeling. And so in some of these horses, if we can, it, you know, if there's an overabundance of that going on, which sometimes there is in arthritis, um, you know, by by sort of blocking that, inhibiting that part of the process, we can relieve quite a bit of pain. Um, and, you know, in hawk arthritis and some horses too, they tend to get more sclerotic bone, meaning there's more density of the bone rather than the, the spurs that you might think of with arthritis. Um, and I think in those horses, you know, treating the joint isn't necessarily treating the source of the pain. Um, and so treating the bone pain directly using tildren, um, you know, is really the, seems to be more effective for some of those horses. Uh, it's also given systemically. I personally don't use it in the joint or in a regional imperfusion. Um, there are veterinarians out there who do um, with some success. Uh, but for us, we tend to use it more systemically. And so, you know, for horses, too, that have several areas of um, bone inflammation, uh, whether it's a neck or a back or a sacroiliac joint, um, it, it can treat all of those at once. So, um, again, it's an individual response. There are some horses that, that don't do as well with that, and it's quite an expensive drug. Um, but for me, you know, in the sport horse community and, and our um, performance horses, we've found it to be um, really a good option for some of them. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Gottlieb. And our hour is over. It went by really fast. Um, I want to thank both of you for joining us. And before we close, I would like to ask each of you, you know, what is the one thing that you hope uh, owners take away tonight about managing their horses with arthritis? And let's start with you, Dr. Gottlieb. Sure. Um, I mean, I think I've touched a lot on management. So sort of the, the daily management of your horse and, and not just, um, you know, the medication or the nutraceutical that you pick, um, but really just the, the daily conditioning and management that goes into it are important. Um, and also in working with your vet, you know, understand that it's a process. So the, that lameness might not be solved in one appointment and it might take, um, you know, a little bit of more work to get to the bottom of what exactly is going on with your horse. Um, and really an accurate diagnosis is the key to being able to treat these horses effectively. Okay. And Dr. Pierce? Yeah, I'd like to just uh, reiterate that. I mean, to, to, to begin with, you would want uh, a, a very accurate diagnosis so that you know you're not spending your money unwisely and, 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 and treating things you don't need to be treating. Um, and then also making sure that there's not some surgical remedy that could could happen there that could uh, help alleviate the problems or some injectable uh, remedies. I think that the more you, um, the more you, you uh, we, we deal with a very educated clientele. We all do in the horse business. They're, they're, all of the owners are very informed. Um, and so we always get some very good comments and questions. And I think that the biggest thing is if you have questions, you know, feel free to, to contact your veterinarian and bounce these ideas off of them. I think off of them, him, him or her, and and, and um, the biggest thing is to work with your veterinarian. I think, and and to uh, not only diagnosing but treating these conditions. 
Okay. And we didn't get too much into joint injection specifically. Um, we had some questions about PRP and IRAP, um, and we've just run out of time tonight. I want to let the audience know who's listening live that in two weeks we are going to have a webcast on joint injections that will cover all that stuff. So since we didn't get to it tonight, um, there is another opportunity. As always, get on the horse.com, search for those things or anything that you we talked about tonight that you'd like more about or like to know more about. Uh, do searches for that. Um, we have lots of articles, lots of research on there uh, on the horse.com. I want to thank everyone who listened tonight live, everyone who's going to be listening to the recorded podcast in the future. Um, also to our experts, Dr. Pierce and Dr. Gottlieb for taking time out of their evenings to join us and answer all, all of these great questions. And also to our sponsor, Kinetic Technologies, for bringing this to our audience for free. Everyone uh, have a great night. And if you want to listen again, this audio event will be archived on thehorse.com. <laughs>